Amy's Wi-Fi was awful during this episode, sorry, please be wary when listening to the pod we are trying to fix the problem for the coming weeks. Things will get better we promise. Hello and welcome back to the Women's Workshop podcast. I'm Ella, the founder of the Women's Workshop and this is my co-host Immy. Hi, I'm Immy Moody and I am here. <laughs> um, so a few housekeeping bits. Our ugly art competition has officially ended and I'm very sorry for the last podcast because we talked about the ugly art competition a lot without realising it would be released after the end date. No, so, I realised it. Tried to tell you I, and you ignored me. <laughs> I did not realise that. Um, so anyway, our ugly art competition winner was um, collage underscore sentient fragments on Instagram. Um is that right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and she did the most amazing, how do you even describe it? Photo sculpture. She used a mask and some plastic forks and she made this little fish um, and it was just incredible. It was so good and it was like really, it was ugly, but it was ugly in two ways. Like it was physically, like it wasn't the prettiest piece of artwork, which we love, obviously. And it was also like garbage island masks masks aren't biodegradable they're killing our planet but they're good for us so please keep wearing masks i'm not an (laughs) anti-masker um yeah no so it was amazing but it was really hard to decide because all the entries were fantastic uh so thank you to everyone who entered and you were all amazing honestly it was one of the hardest decisions uh but congrats to uh collage underscore sentient fragments i don't believe i actually know your name so (laughs) maybe we'll have a chat and find out soon um anyway and hopefully we'll be releasing another competition in the near future we just have to come up with another cool topic and then you are all free to enter um also we have we're going to be having a networking event tomorrow which is irrelevant to you because by the time this is released that date will have passed well we we're trying to have them bi-weekly, right? So. Bi-weekly, yeah. So um, if you don't didn't get to come to this week's, which will be tomorrow, but not for you, um, then we'll be holding one next week? Yes. I believe, yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the basically... The 21st, I believe, will be the yeah. date. The so we hold, them, we hold them bi-weekly. If you can't make it, it's not a big deal. But we do have a great time, good chats, good fun, sharing deep dark secrets, drinking if you want to drink, drinking tea if you want to drink tea. It is completely up to you. Um, apart from that, we had an amazing interview with uh, Jackie uh, at Soy Mistake on Instagram. And she was just oh, such a wise, lovely person. Yeah, we love Jackie. Honestly, I love her to bits and she's just one of the most fantastic people ever. And uh, we'll be seeing her again in our upcoming networking events. So we look forward to seeing you again, Jackie. Um, Anyway, so our website is officially up and running. uh, Thanks to the hard work of Immy, who's helped me complete it because it has taken quite a while. Um, So, I mean, well done to both of us for setting it up. And we really hope you enjoy it. If you want to be featured on the website, please do get in touch with us. Literally, all that we ask is that you engage with our page and you support all of the amazing artists who support us. Yeah, and even if you can't afford to support them financially, a like on Instagram, a follow on Instagram, a save of one of their pieces of work, or even just literally sharing it on your on the story or what have you, just the, we will take any sort of engagement that you want to give to us and the artists. 
Oh, and speaking of uh, engagement, we are almost at 1,000 followers. I believe we're three people away at the moment from 1,000. So hopefully by the time you hear this, we'll already be there. Uh, so just a big thank you to everyone who has supported yeah, the page. Yeah, and it's so exciting. Yeah, so thank you to all of you who have supported us and we look forward to supporting you further. Uh, without further ado, uh, we're going to be interviewing Bipolar Abdul tonight. Um, so Imi, do you want to tell us a little bit about Bipolar before she hops on? Yeah, Bipolar Abdul is a drag queen from Doncaster who is the absolute love of my life. I love her to bits. Um, we've known each other for ages, actually. Um, and she's just incredible. She is fantastic and she is making sh and she's making sure that the world knows that women can do drag right so um without waiting any further let's dive in Woo. <laughs> hi bipolar thank you so much for coming on the podcast today Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this, like, since we booked it in. Oh, you look absolutely amazing. If you're watching us on YouTube, just that outfit. <laughs> oh, I've been looking forward to this so much. I know it'll be nice for us to just be able to chat. Like, I'm so used to you just being text on a screen. So this is going to be so nice. Yeah, I know. I think this is like the, th the third time since we've known each other that I've actually heard your voice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm always like way more northern than people expect. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've just gotten used to Zoom now. Like, I feel like I know everyone as floating heads rather than actual people. <laughs> um, so, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, firstly, how are you doing? How's lockdown been for you? What's been going on? Oh, uh, lockdown as a whole, the 12 years or what it feels like that we've been trapped <laughs> inside. Um, it's been like very, very up and down for me. Um, sometimes like through a day, I can, you know, go on an emotional roller coaster through everything. Um, it's had some really good points and some really low points. I mean, I've been managing to like... Like I've learned to edit videos and things like that. That's something that I never thought I'd be able to do. And, you know, I've pushed my drag and my art in new and different directions. But there have just been points where it's just felt never ending. And like, you know, I never thought I'd miss my feet sticking to a nightclub floor or, you know, like straight women in the toilets telling me that I look amazing. I've got better legs than them. You know, it's like I miss everything now. It's I'm just desperate to get back out. <laughs> oh. I actually, yeah, I miss the condescending, like, middle-aged women. Yeah. It's something I never thought I would. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, just walking up and touching your face and your hair without asking and things like that. And, yeah, I hate that about drag, but I, I just, I'd do anything to have it right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I so miss, like, the bathroom nights out. Like, I always make the best, like, temporary friends in the bathroom. Like, just all these compliments. We're going to be best friends forever. I never see them again. But it's, like, a fun moment to have. <laughs> yeah, that and, like, the smoking area. Like, yeah. the best bits are never inside the club. It's always just, like, around the edge. <laughs> Oh, well, I'm trying to quit smoking for like the third time. I've got my nicotine patch on today. But like, I do really miss, well, for the three days that I've been smoking. <laughs> but like, what I would really miss about smoking is like going on nights out because I love going outside and having a cigarette and chatting to people. I mean, I can still go outside, but I feel like if you don't have a cigarette, you just look a bit awkward standing there. 
Yeah, and Cole calling me out. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, first question proper of the podcast: Tell us a bit about you and how you became interested in the wonderful world of drag. Okay. Um, Well, I was sort of always into into watching drag, and this is been a really really big thing for me that it's an art form I've always really appreciated but always sat on the outside of never even contemplated it never crossed my mind that you know that was something that I could maybe do Uh, but always appreciated it always loved it always being quite free with my gender and things like that Um, but it was actually uh, at the viaduct where I first thought I really could have a shot at it and I um said to one of the queens outside that, yeah, I'd love to be able to do that. And uh, she just looked me straight in the eyes and said, well, why don't you? And I, it never even, you know, occurred to me that it was something I could do because at that point, you know, I was just a woman with a lot of makeup on. So that's sort of how I started taking it seriously and like getting into it that way. I tried sort of every other art form available on earth and realised that I would just shit at all of them. So I kind of, I, you know, put creativity in a box and like wrapped it up and put it away and been like, that's not for me because I can't do anything right um, or well. And uh, then I got going with drag and I realised that it's just, you know, anything and everything is drag. There really are no rules, you know, despite what RuPaul tries to shove down your throat. There's no rules. Um, and that's like my favourite thing about drag, um, that I can do what I want, when I want, and if somebody tells me that's not drag, I say, well, it is, though, because I'm a drag queen and I'm wearing it, so... I think it's so hard to find the right sort of creativity for you as an individual, like, because I'm an art graduate who cannot draw or paint, (laughs) and, like, I always felt like, oh, well, I mustn't be creative if I can't actually, like, draw a picture. But I think it's just finding like a creative path that suits you. Like I got into photography um, because I could never get an image in my head how it looked on paper. So that's why I sort of went into something else. But I think everyone is creative in a certain way. It's just finding the right way for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, when you're younger, you, you draw or you paint or you pick up an instrument and that's like kind of what's available to you. Um, whereas obviously art, you know, I see art everywhere now. Um, and I always had done, um, but I'd just not been able to find the bit that was right for me. And I always wanted to have my finger in like, fingers in all the pies, you know, I didn't just want to do one thing. And drag has given me that, you know, it's it's fashion, it's makeup, it's, you know, making things out of cardboard, it's dancing, it's, you know, creating an entire world that your persona lives in. Um, and I don't really think there's any other art form like it, so... No, it's like all different art forms, because there's a bit of screenwriting in there as well, if you think about it, because you're making yourself a character. Absolutely, and photography, and now, you know, there's all the digital stuff, and it's just, it's everything, drag is everything. Yeah. Speaking of, how would you describe your sort of drag aesthetic when you're performing? Oh, I don't know, really, to be honest. Um, I kind of, I take inspiration from uh, everywhere and like everything. Um, People that I meet in the street, you know, it's not just other drag queens and things like that. I'm kind of like a pop culture nerd. So I'll try and take things from, you know, other little subcultures um, and be quite satirical with them. 
Um, I like to say that generally I'm just, I'm fun and I'm silly and uh, it's all about um, like colour and being bright and putting that through in just my, in the personality as well and the performance style, not just what I look like aesthetically. Yeah, that's re really cool. Like, because I followed you on Instagram for how, how long? I've known you for how long? And <laughs> forever I always see like, you always got this like, it's black, but you've always got this beautiful like splash of colour on there, and it's just so nice to see. Yeah, yeah, I think because, you know, I spent a lot of my teens wearing a lot of black, and because, you know, I was a goth, and then I spent a lot of my 20s wearing black because I was, like, carrying a lot of baby weight at that point, so now I have the chance to not wear a lot of black. I'm not going to wear a lot of black. And I think I held myself back a lot um, when I was younger. Uh, I think the big thing for me, like with me and my drag and what I do and what I put out, is I always say that be the person that 15 year old you needed to see. And like, not to toot my own owner or anything, but Doncaster's never seen anything like the house. Um, I think if we had the house when I were 15, I'd have known I were gender fluid at 16 instead of 26. Um, and so I think, yeah, it's important to be as engaging as possible from all angles in all different ways. Do you have any themes or anything in performances particular? Uh, well, I try and take, I sort of have a theme for each thing. Um, I don't want to box myself in too much with things like that. Um, generally, again, it's like I, I love to just like have a laugh and just do things that will make people go, ha ha ha, like they didn't expect it. Um, so like, you know, the feminist video that I did recently that was like very serious, there was no room for any silliness. Like, I absolutely love that piece. It's one of my favorite pieces I've ever made, but it was so difficult for me because I just wanted to, you know, laugh and like, you know, and it's just not a subject that you can do that with. Um, but yeah, so like, you know, one video might have like a particular theme from a particular film or a particular year or a particular subculture. Um, I like to try and be varied and different from like project to project. I like to keep people on the toes. <laughs> yeah, definitely like going from like your lockdown three video to the music video to um the feminist video there's like, like this massive like gulf in tone it's so cool to see yeah yeah i think i i mean because obviously like i'm bipolar abdullah i'm bipolar so i tend to find that like i can flick around between things so fast i've always got like 12 15 projects in writing that i'd like to do and because my mood can vary so much they're all completely different it depends like what other art I'm absorbing, you know, like have I been watching an onslaught of 90s films or, you know, like all of a sudden last week I decided I wanted to make like a, a 90s style skating video, but with no skating in it because I can't skate. But, you know, just like the fisheye lens aesthetic and like people in big t-shirts drinking cans and, and that sort of thing. So it just depends what, I, what I've seen recently, what I've been thinking about recently. And I think sometimes as well, one of my favorite things is revisiting things that I was like super into uh, as a teen or as a child, um, because 
I thought they were cool for a reason. And now we've got like nostalgia and everything's got retro vibes. Like things really are cool. So like I got to dress up as Pee Wee Herman during lockdown and that was just an absolute dream come true, to be honest. (laughs) I think it's good not to subscribe to like one style or one aesthetic though. Like, especially like on social media throughout lockdown, everyone's sort of sticking to like one style like cottagecore or goth and I like want to be all of them like I can't decide they're all amazing I want to be like a witch I want to be a cottagecore person who bakes I want to be like a hardcore goth a skater I think we should just amalgamate all of them into one big like mishmash (laughs) (laughs) oh just do one like and then a different one and then a different one every day of the week do that because I think you know it's important this is expression we're expressing who we are and you aren't just one thing, like nobody's just one thing. Everybody's like a multi-layered, you know, faceted piece of work. And I want to see all of them layers. Um, so that's, yeah, that's what I try to do. I try to um, be like accessible to loads of different people as well. And, uh, you know, like I might capture some audiences with one of my pieces that wouldn't necessarily like something else that I've done. But yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, let's just be a million different things. <laughs> yeah i think yeah, if i have life's too short to put be in one place yeah exactly i think if i could design a house exactly how i liked it every room would be themed like i'd have like a 70s theme i'd have like a gothy theme like when i was younger i really wanted to paint my room black and hang bats from the ceiling and i made i think that's a little bit extreme now but maybe like a toned down version of that yeah that'd be great <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in, in like the 70s room, you could have like a conversation pit. Because oh. they were... Mm. Yeah, I love that. I'm obsessed with the 70s at the moment. But like, it's very in right now. So all the furniture for it's really expensive. Because I'm just about to move house and I'm like, right, I'm going to design it all 70s. I'm going to have like an egg chair and a hanging thing. And like, everything's going to be soft and orange. And then I realised, oh wait, I have no money. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrible when things are in fashion that you enjoy (laughs) i know i'm like why can't it be really uncool at the moment so i can afford it (laughs) (laughs) um so speaking of like styles and aesthetics are there any sort of particular styles that you're thinking of venturing into or that you're interested by oh this is a really interesting question because i'm kind of in dire straits at the minute if i'm honest because like obviously we're about to like leave the house and go out into the world again um and i'm like still thinking like oh i don't really know who bipolar abdul in the club is anymore because like it's definitely not who i was last year with everything that's happened and everything that we've done and you know all the art that we've made like obviously you change don't you i'm like i'm completely not that girl and i kind of went through my drag playlist on spotify we're like no 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 i don't want to perform any of this stuff no 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 um so I'm kind of like, I wouldn't say in crisis yet, but I'm going through a thing where I'm like trying to figure out, you know, what styles am I going to go into after this? So I think I'm going to start trying to build some performances and like go from that. Um, I think there's going to be far more like cardboard face pieces in my future, though. They've been a thing over lockdown and I really enjoy that. So. <laughs> That sounds so cool. Um, there was this really cool artist called um, Valley Export. Have you ever heard of her? No, I don't think so. Um, she was like a 70s feminist performance artist. And she did this really cool thing where she um, she wore like a cardboard box around her body and she had like a little hole in it. 
uh, like by her boobs and she was completely naked underneath and she just like stood on the side of the street and just like let people like kind of feel her up or like come like like reach through the holes and everything um and yeah she did loads of crazy performance stuff like that but I was just thinking about the box thing <laughs> reminded me of that <laughs> amazing nobody would want to film the ultra box so yeah <laughs> <laughs> Imi, are you still with us? I'm here, I'm here. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, I'm not even going to cut all, any of this out for audio listeners. You can just enjoy the fact that my Wi-Fi is fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine, it gives it more character. It's boring if it's really, like, well edited and clean spoken. Oh, <laughs> Fantastic. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay, you'll, you'll come back. Are you back? I'm back. Okay. <laughs> right, well, seeing as you're... This is fucking awful. <laughs> seeing as you're back, do you want to move on to the next question? Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on the UK drag scene at the minute? I'm excited about UK drag at the minute. Um, I mean, as a whole, like, obviously there are some bits that are annoying or whatever, but I think... Um, I'm actually really enjoying UK Drag Race um, because everybody's British, so what's not to love? Um, And I think when you see the queens that we have in the workroom versus the US queens, you can see just how like varied we are. Uh, And this is just like cis male drag as well. So, you know, imagine what else is going on in the local club scenes. But yeah, UK Drag, I'm always a fan of UK Drag. Um, I mean, we try and go out like other places as much as we can. Um, but I could tell you that like Doncaster drag is really, really good. Best in the country. <laughs> I know, never... I follow all of Zay House. <laughs> I've never been before. What are the best places to perform there? Well, we're actually getting our uh, very own gay bar that's opening next month. Yeah, we didn't even have a gay bar. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> But now we do. Yeah, we've been doing fluidity sort of um, in the back rooms of pubs and things like that for, for quite a long time. So uh, to have our own like dedicated space and it's in a perfect location and the owners are lovely and it's going to be fab. Uh, so that's called the library um, and it's opening on the 20th of May, I believe. Um, so that's where we're going to be doing that and like we're going to have you know bigger queens coming through and there's actually going to be a scene oh, I can't believe it I'm so excited <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe there wasn't one wait. there before no we've had a couple in the past but there was just sort of no longevity in it and it's because um, unlike places like Leeds or Manchester where the gay bars are nice and you like want to go there it was kind of like Here's this place, it's falling to bits, but you've got your safe space, so, you know, be quiet and put up with it. Um, It wasn't somewhere that you would choose if you had anywhere else to go. Whereas the library is going to, it's not going to be like that. It's got a bit of luxury about it. There's no holes in the walls. There's heating, there's running water, there's, you know, all that. So (laughs) it's going to be great. Oh, I wish we had somewhere like that here because I'm based in Chester, which is lovely. It's very idyllic, but there's like, like going out wise, it is terrible. There's two clubs. One of them is full of 17 year olds and the other one is just like typical sticky floor, like really dodgy people in there, very gropey. And those are the only two choices you have. It's teenagers or gropey people. 
<laughs> there is one gay bar in Chester. I think it's called the Queen's Head. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, I wasn't sure if they were still open though. They were for a while, but I've never actually been before. But that's just because I don't generally go on a night out in Chester. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you? I think we touched on this before, but have you had any difficulties performing during lockdown, having to do everything online? So I've not done live, so I haven't actually performed live for a really long time. Um, and I sort of, I didn't want to do live because there's no feedback from anything. It's just your phone and a tripod. Mm. Um, so the pre-recorded videos, they've been all right, but bloody hell, it's a lot of work for not a lot of, you know, it's like when, when you perform live, you put your performance together and you go out and you do it and then you get a drink. Whereas, you know, some videos that I've made, it's been like five, six filming days and then like yeah. an editing day. And then and then you put it in a digital show and you get tips apparently, you know, like, but obviously tipping culture here isn't massive. Um, so it's, that's been quite difficult. The lack of interaction, I think that makes you doubt yourself um, because there isn't an instant you know, uh, feedback from it. If you perform it to a crowd and they like what you do, then they'll, they'll yes. Um, but if, you know, if I'm working for two weeks on a video, that's a lot of time for me to start doubting my own ideas. Yeah, I think um, it, that reminds me of like football games at the moment. Like I have no interest in football whatsoever, but like when I've seen them on TV, like uh, my stepdad's watching it or whatever, I'm always like, it just looks so sad because they're just running around and they have to put like fake audios in and you're like, but I can see that there's no one there, like cheering them on. That's been yeah. professional wrestling over the last few years where they've been piping in fake crowd noise and it's been really distracted. <laughs> 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 but yeah that's that's got to be the worst thing like I miss my audiences um yeah. to be honest uh, I think sometimes filming's been quite depressing at points um because you're getting in you know full drag and sometimes it's like full full looks and you're setting up like the amount of times I've moved you know my sofa out to get to a particular wall moving the dining table to get to a particular wall setting up soft boxes and then you film me 10 seconds of footage and it's done yeah i think it can be like it can be rewarding but also if you spend hours on a video like video editing is such a pain like i attempted to do a youtube video about two weeks ago for emmy we're meant to do one every week but i've not been doing them because i tried to do one and it takes fucking forever like, <laughs> i had to research all the stuff i was talking about and then i had to film it and one i just i put on this really weird voice when i think i'm going on to youtube like i don't know why but it just gets really high and squeaky because that's how i picture like youtubers <laughs> and then I just I got halfway through editing it and I was like no fuck this I'm not like I can't I can't so I haven't looked at it since but it is a nightmare trying to video edit everything yeah, yeah. it is have you um <laughs> have you ventured onto TikTok at all absolutely not um <laughs> uh no no not it's not for me like I'm not slagging off people that do use it because I see some things on there and I'm like wow that's really impressive um but I don't know. It just seems like, again, a lot of work, like for not a lot of payoff. Um, and I, it, the app itself freaks me out because I think they, um, it's definitely more invasive oh my uh, with God. your privacy than any other yeah. app, like really, really invasive. So 
Yeah, you can tell. I know. I mean, I know this sounds a bit crazy, but I swear to God, I've talked about things before that I haven't searched, and they've like appeared to me on ads on TikTok, and I've been like, "Have you been listening to my conversations?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's not for okay. everyone. I mean, we are actually on TikTok, but I don't know how many <laughs> things we've actually posted. But I remember, like, when I first started going on it, because like, I was bored during lockdown, and I did become like a basic white girl cliche and go on to TikTok. But I remember I made a couple, and I was like, oh my god, this is like this is gonna blow up. This is gonna be my big break. And the next day I wake up, I'm like, oh no, I'm still normal. <laughs> yeah, I think it's so like youth centered as well that I just feel ancient the second I open it oh my god I know (laughs) like being on it has made me feel so old like this like 18 year old or whatever posted this thing about like people who were born in the late 1990s and I was like like how is 22 old I don't feel like I'm that old but now having been on social media I feel like ancient like they're referencing things I don't even know what they're talking about yeah I was called old woman on twitter the other day Oh my god! <laughs> because some children were using words that I didn't understand, and I was like, "What? What are these words?" And they were like, "Uh, old woman." I was like, "Thank you for gendering me correctly, but <laughs> ouch, I'm not old." <laughs> oh, Amy, never ask. Just Google. Never ask. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that's how old like- I am. There's so many abbreviations. Like I remember the first time, like when social media first became a thing, maybe when I was like 13 or something. And there were all these abbreviations that people just knew. And I had to like Google them every time someone sent me something because I was like, I don't want to sound really sad by not knowing what the fuck they mean. But like that message doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm not. I'm not big on TikTok. I know uh, Naomi is obviously from uh, from Zero. She's like really big on TikTok and she's really really good at it and they're really great. But she was also born in 1999. So, so we'll let her have it. <laughs> <laughs> so, is there anything that you think that classical art can take from drag or that drag can take from classical art? Oh my god, yes! Like most things like oh with art everything's so like interchangeable um god yeah just everything classic art like give me an example like classical art forms like painting and illustration oh god yeah um i think um especially like like with drag like paint yourself with acrylic paint like just do it um you know there's so many things that you can just grab and just you know chuck on your body fling on yourself and that's it you know that's part of the look now like big gold photo frames or whatever you know what i mean or like make a sculpture and wear it on your head um like drag is your chance to like when i started doing drag it were like all right so now i just dress like an exaggerated woman at the weekends um but now it's right how can we now start branching out and start using everything and stop being scared of them art forms that we said we were shit at because the only reason we thought we were shit at them is because we couldn't find a way to capitalize off them so let's just start just start jumping into them now like i've started making things for drag now out of all sorts of stuff um and it's allowed me to like just open my mind so much to 
to what drag can be and it, it can be anything like let's not just limit this to like hats and clothes it can be so much more than that what would um what would you actually define drag performance as so yeah i think it's it's down to each individual person to to say what they you know what their sort of rules are for what is a drag performance yeah um so i kind of I kind of go by the rules that, like, if somebody turns up to a drag night and they say that they're in drag, I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, because even in, like, my drag house, we're all completely different. And we all... I think everybody has this thing where they they feel... It, they feel in drag when they get to a certain point. And, like, for some people, that isn't until they've got nails on, whereas, like, I, I would never wear nails. And, you know, I'll use my natural hair and Ebony White will have a bald head out and things like that. Some people would say that that's probably, you know, might not be dragged to them. For me, it could solely be down to a performance, not necessarily like aesthetics or anything. I don't know. Mm. It's just it's just so free and so loose and so fluid that I think it is. Yeah. If somebody says I'm a drag performer, I probably won't question it. Yeah. I think that's very similar to all art, I guess. I mean, especially like conceptual art, like it could literally be anything. Um, like I'm, I'm very into my uh, 70s feminist performance art. And uh, there was this, I'll, I'll just do a shout out to uh, Marina Abram- Abramovic. She's this amazing performance artist. And she did this work in the 1970s where uh, she stood like naked in a gallery for six hours and um she was like the art piece but she didn't do anything she had all these objects laid out on a table so there was like food flowers a knife a gun so there was like half really dark stuff and half like nice things and she said that the audience could do anything to her for six hours um and like yeah it got really dark actually it was like people like cut her they like stripped her um I think someone held a gun to her head at one point yeah and then after six hours six to eight hours she was just standing there um the performance ended and she like you know snapped back into like not being she sort of chosen to objectify herself so she just let them do whatever and then she's sort of like an endurance artist as well um but then when she snapped out of it and she started trying to chat to the audience they all left because they were so ashamed and Ah. yeah sorry that that got a bit like disturbing but it's just in terms of like what is art or like what is drag it is very hard to define because it isn't one specific thing like that in a way was just an idea it was just a woman like standing in a gallery and that was the art piece yeah wow that's really interesting that's horrific we're so sorry for scarring you (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm really so- I'm sorry. I am into all the really dark, like grotesque, abject artists. <laughs> no, that's really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> oh but, God, aren't people horrible? <laughs> I know. I know. It does make you lose faith in humanity a bit when you read stuff like this. But like, the artist is really nice, so that gives me hope. What's <laughs> oh, <bless> that? <laughs> <laughs> So do you have any thoughts on the rise of drag's popularity as an art form? Oh, God, yeah, many. How long we got? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as long as you want. Go for it. Uh, so I think it's I think it's got its good points and I think it's got its horrendous points, to be honest. Um, 
good points being that, you know, people are just kind of more accepting that, that drag's a thing and you can go out and you can see it in most towns and cities and that's great. Um, bad points are um, that it's it's not drag that's risen in popularity, is it? It's RuPaul's Drag Race that's risen in popularity. And that's a point that I will continue to make forever because that did a thing where it came on the scene and it did some good. And then it stayed too long, it went on forever, and now it's doing bad, it's doing harm. You know, I have struggled with being like uh, in clubs and stuff and being in drag, and people saying that I can't do drag, um, you know, because I'm a woman or whatever, or people being like visibly disappointed when the clock that I've got hits. Um, but I don't, you know what I mean? I don't see it. And this isn't other drag queens, by the way, I need to make that clear. Uh, this is like audiences. Um, so I remember doing, you know, uh, Mama Bear's drag battle. Uh, yeah. When I, I got to the lip sync, not not the one just before COVID, the one before, and it was Express Yourself by Madonna and I had a blazer on and I took it off and I had a mesh thing on and I heard a big noise from the audience. They were, oh. And I just thought, oh. So like there's things like that, like by people not experiencing enough local drag and just drag race, they're not seeing drag. Um, they're seeing, you know, so many queens hand chosen by a production team that just want one thing. Whereas local drag is everything. It's trans men, it's trans women, it's, you know, uh, female drag artists, women drag artists, it's everything. It's And it's all mixed in together and you get to see all of it, but people are, still sheltered because they only they only experience drag race um so i mean we've come a long way since lily savage that's that's great you know lily savage were a gem but it's great that we've come further than that um but we're still sort of at a point where you know, there, there are some really 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 good afab drag artists out there that just aren't getting the recognition that that they deserve because you know we can't get we can't get anywhere near Drag Race, you know, if we wanted to, if we wanted that opportunity. It's not something that we can experience. Yeah, I think it's, I think when it does start happening as well, it'll just be like, a, oh, we need to start doing this now because people are getting really mad. So we'll let one woman on. And uh, could you imagine being that woman, the first <laughs> ever woman on Drag Race? Could you imagine bearing that cross? <laughs> That seems like a heavy cross to bear. Yeah, absolutely. And you'll have, it like would... the, you'll have the, the cis gays who are like, oh, it's tokenism. And then you'll have AFAB queens, which would be like, yes, finally representation. And there'll just be more arguments. Yeah, absolutely. And like, it shouldn't be a thing that, that causes arguments. Everybody should just appreciate that like drag is such free art form that it doesn't matter what your gender is or anything. Um, it's... You know, there's a whole sea of like gender identities out there, and they're they're all doing drag. So let's appreciate all of them. It's so weird. You wouldn't have this in any other art form. <laughs> You're a woman, no, right. you can't paint. Yeah, I think <gasps> when things become when like a topic or a aesthetic or something becomes mainstream, it almost like there's nothing wrong with things being mainstream, but I think sometimes it does lose a bit of authenticity in terms of its audience because I'm like well did you always actually like that or do you just like it because everyone else is going along with it now and now it's like okay yeah I think as well like you run the risk of, of the stereotype being the thing that everybody expects 
So, um, like, there's, you know, I like I saw it on uh, Drag Race UK, what I would call like Drag Race US TM kind of thing, and I saw it on Ellie Diamond, um, the kind of like uh, drag uniform. What I'd say, like people expect that they expect a big blonde wig. A uh, costume that you've made that looks a bit like a dance costume. They want big heels, they want big lashes, contact lenses, nails, yeah, everything. And it's like that's that's what people expect. So then, like when I pole up in a unitard and a giant like pill that I've made out of cardboard that I'm wearing around my face, people are like, "That's weird. That's that's not drag. That's weird." Um, yeah, I found that quite a lot when i was doing mama's drag battle and it was all clickety clickety clack and then me covered in blood yes <laughs> i think yeah. it's good to shock people it's good for people to be like shocked or surprised sometimes like that's my favorite kind of art like something you're not expecting to see but it's just like wow yeah i think as well with me it's like the majority of the time i'm doing it for me anyway so if you don't like it, it's fine i'm not doing it for you <laughs> it's yeah, you know, I'm expressing myself how I see fit. If you enjoy it, wonderful. If you don't, then that, that's absolutely fine, you know, but I'm not going to fit into a little box that you think I need to be in order to, to be a valid drag queen. I think that's why, like, um, kind of social media trolls are so sad because they'll always do these little comments like, I don't like it. It's like, yeah, I don't, I like, I literally don't give a fuck what you think, you like, <laughs> bad little person. It's like, I didn't make this for you personally. It's like, all these people come on thinking that their opinion is going to, like, tear you down. It's like, I didn't make this for you. Like, you're just a pathetic little person on the internet who's made time out of their day to, like, boost this post. I love it when people have taken the time to stop to comment to be like, well, I don't agree. <laughs> I know it's right? like nothing even of substance no point literally just like I don't like it it's like well why did you stop to comment then god if only people were like so eager to comment when they did like things I know <laughs> yeah it's the curse of social media in the modern world I guess <laughs> without Absolutely. sounding extremely pretentious <laughs> any engagement's engagement though yeah oh, exactly yeah. If you're getting hate, you're going to be getting love as well. So, like, all the haters are technically lovers because they're just giving you attention. Yeah. I love a white knight now and again. <laughs> but I do find it funny, like, how angry people get literally about everything. Like, if you go to the comment section of a video that's gone viral and it could literally be someone, like, baking a banana cake and you'll go to the comments, it'll be like, well, I'm fucking allergic to bananas. Like, this is really, like, I can't believe you'd post this. And, like, then there's just this massive war going on in the comments. You're like, everyone, calm down. It's a banana cake. I think it's like... Right now. <laughs> I've got a YouTube video open in a different window. Uh, yeah, it's, about so the, it. it's, it's about the Simpsons season six. Uh, here it goes. The Simpsons ended after season five. You are wrong to even suggest that season six exists. Oh no, the punchline kind yeah. of got drowned out in your robotic voice because your internet's gone again. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I really want to know what happened now. Jimmy. <laughs> Internet's gone on it. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, Jimmy's on dial-up. <laughs> oh, I was really excited to hear what the rest of that sentence was as well. 
Emmy. Oh, it's just somebody said it's just somebody very annoyed about how The Simpsons hasn't been good since 1995. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I don't think I've watched The Simpsons in. Uh, is The Simpsons still going? Yeah. Yeah, it's in 32 seasons. Is it still good? No. Some of them are good. <laughs> Most of them are average. Oh, that's so sad. I, I, I did watch like all of them. Sometimes, like, less is more, you know? Sometimes I think you do just need to stop. Like, I always feel really sad when my favourite series stops, but sometimes I'm like, you know what? Good for you for not, like... Yeah, that's well. that's the best thing. If something ends and you're, like, heartbroken that it's ended, then it was right for it to end. Because always leave them wanting more. Always leave yeah. them wanting more. But Americans tend to do that with, like, sitcoms and things, don't they? They'll pull it out, pull it out. 24 episodes, 11 seasons, and... Yeah, we're like six episodes, two series, that's it. That's, that's all you're having. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was quite grateful for some sequels. Like, um, did you ever watch uh, Life on Mars? No, I didn't, but my mum yes. did. I know she oh, like, liked it. It's, oh my God, it's mind-blowingly good. Did you like it, Emmy? Yes, and then they did Ashes to Ashes and it was even better. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like, I... Because um, one of my friends said that they would have preferred it if the end of the last season was like a bit of a cliffhanger, like just before the end. And he said he would have preferred it to have ended like that because it did give a bit more explanation in the second season. But I thought it was really, really good. Like that's one of the only sequels. On Is there a difference between you, the person, and Darpola Abdul, the drag queen? Um, Yeah. Yeah, I think so, yeah. There used to be a really big difference, but I think it's got smaller and smaller over time, like, as it, wardrobes have just integrated into each other and things like that. Um, but uh, Bipolar is slightly more confident than I am, a bit louder, a bit more willing to shout up about stuff. Um, but that's kind of meshed backwards into me as a person as well. Um, I think I'm more confident from being bipolar. Um, and there have been points where I've like wanted to shout up about something and I felt like I could, and I don't think I would have been able to if I hadn't been like two or three years into drag at the time. Um, she wears more makeup than I do, but really I think the difference is getting smaller and smaller. I think as either person get more and more comfortable with who I am as me, the person. So like I've been on like a nearly a decade-long journey of self-discovery with my gender and things like that and realizing why I felt different why I felt weird you know and, and figuring all that out so as I'm like settling into me the difference is becoming smaller and smaller um, I'm more comfortable being seen in drag you know uh, without uh, a wig on or without like without eyeliner on that used to be a big thing that I didn't feel in drag until I had my eyeliner on but that's not a thing anymore so I think I've relaxed into bipolar and she's relaxed into me. Have you heard of um, character integration syndrome? No oh my god that sounds like a disease that I might have. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was discovered in a British wrestler called Kendo Nagasaki who um basically got so into character that he never took his mask off even when he was in the shower and started believing that he was this Japanese samurai man because he was oh that in character God. when in fact he was like from Rochdale and they'd never been to Japan oh my god that's so funny 
Oh no, I'll have to let you know if I start getting a shower in the tights and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love like identity stuff though. Like I did um, a big project on identity for um, my university art project. And I literally have like a billion wigs in the cupboard. And I also have loads of random stuff. Like I have like mannequin heads and like fake baby bellies as well, like stored oh, under my bed. No, you don't. <laughs> I do, I literally have like two different sizes. I have them at like the different stages of pregnancy. Um, but like I start making like little bundles and sending them to each other are just random stuff and we have to make a look out of it. Like we have to do an art piece out of it. Yeah. That would be a great challenge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, oh, I love all the um the identity stuff and like the idea of sort of alter egos as well. Like another, oh god, I've mentioned so many like 70s feminist performance artists, but there was this other one called um Is this Lynn one gonna be mentally scarring? No, it's not like it's really this this isn't a d- disturbing one. So it was literally just this woman called Lynn Hirschman and she decided to like um just become this other person for an art project, but she properly committed to it. So her alter ego was called Roberta Brightmore and she like dressed up as her, had a wig, but um would just go about her daily life for like a year or whatever, being this other person. So she like took credit cards out in that name, like rented oh apartment. My God. <laughs> went up to people and loads of people knew her as like Roberta and then after a year she was like oh yeah no it was it was like it was just an art project <laughs> oh my god that's fab I love that yeah same <laughs> but no I love stuff like that I think it's just quite it's just quite fun just to like be someone else completely for a little bit as well yeah yeah like I've always said that I think I always just wanted to turn looks like even from being like really young like I just wanted to like I said earlier just like reference something just like for a day um and I remember once I would go into like a battle of the bands in a pub in Donny and I'd got dressed in this outfit and it was like really really 60s inspired um and it was really cool. It had like this goth slant on it and I was really proud of it. And when I got to the um, pub, all my friends laughed at me. Right. And it's like it stuck with me forever. This. I was about 14 at the time. But it's really, really stuck with me. And I think like being able to do drag and just do that, you know, just wear that, that big outfit um, has really, really helped me a lot because, God, I got so bored before drag you know just wearing stuff off the high street going to work and coming home and putting my pajamas on and getting up and doing it again I didn't have that outlet for that at all and it's like I think after a certain amount of time it's just inside you and it's just screaming to get out um so yeah like being able to just just be ridiculous um in any way that I want um yeah, it's just great, like, really forming that that bit of my identity that would just never be seen if it weren't for bipolar or bill. I think um, it's interesting that you... I, this was related to something you said, I can't remember. I do, I do go off on a lot of tangents, but I was just going to say, I always get really annoyed when... Uh, guys especially will say like girls are catfishes for like wearing loads of makeup and stuff and I'm like but like obviously if you wear makeup you do not want to look the same as if you weren't wearing makeup because that is the whole point it's like especially um uh people who wear like really eccentric makeup you know like uh, I'm very into like the red nose and the bright cheeks and the (laughs) yeah like really like eccentric makeup and people are like yeah but that's not your normal face it's like yes I fuck that's the whole fucking point it's not my normal face yeah absolutely for god's sake and like like men think that oh yeah we're trying to catfish you because you'll believe that we were born with blue eyelids 
Um, <laughs> it's just absolutely ridiculous. I know. Well, it's like we were saying before. It's like it's not for fuck. It's not for anyone else. It's literally just for us because we enjoy looking like that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And you're you're just jealous because society says you're not allowed, and you've bought into that. Like I bet men would love it if they could smear makeup all over the faces all the time freely without judgment. <laughs> um, do you think that the drag world is as inclusive as the media makes it out to be because on in the media it looks like it's a very inclusive environment has that been your experience um yeah yeah i'm gonna say i'm gonna go in with just a yeah on this one um if we're talking like drag community drag artists then definitely yeah um and the people that um that I've met and that like like my stuff and I like their stuff and there's like this whole thing that you can be appreciative of things that you wouldn't do yourself on other people. So like some of the like really, really femme drag queens, I you know, I look at them and I think, God, that is so beautiful, like perfection, like chef's case gorgeous, but I'd never do that myself. Um communities as in like, you know, the whole community. Um not just drag artists, then maybe, you know, there could be a bit of work there. But it is getting better. People are starting to realise that, you know, non-binary and, you know, trans and women are doing drag as well. Um, so that's like, that's cool. But it could still, the community as a whole could be better. And the community at, at, at whole are misogynist. Like the gay community are quite misogynist, I find at times. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Mis- yeah. And really transphobic too. Yeah. Yeah, which I just don't, I just don't understand. I can't get my head around that at all. White yeah. um, mm. um, cis gay men will call a trans, will call a drag queen she, but not a trans woman she, and it it blows my mind. Yeah, it's absolutely disgraceful. Where, you know that that bit of the community is just vile. Um, but like drag artists are generally beautiful souls. Generally, the the drag artists that I've met are great. Um, well, that's that's good to hear. I think sometimes people in certain communities, um, it's like they're not open to sort of new ideas and new people. Like, that's why a lot of communities are sort of like, well, you're not like this enough to be part of our community and you're not that enough to be part of this community. But it's like, can't we just all like like each other? Like, we're all great people. Like, just, I feel like we do need to be a lot more accepting because I feel like some communities even though maybe they have good intentions, they do become a bit more exclusive. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. But, um, yeah. But anyway, it's good to hear that, on on the whole, the drag community is inclusive and diverse and friendly, so. Yeah, and it's completely fucking scuppered our next question. Oh, yeah, well, that's fine. <laughs> we can move on to the next one. Do you want to ask the next one? <laughs> yeah, go on, then. Has your like style evolved in any way in particular over your years? Oh god, yeah. Um like when I first started doing drag it was um uh quite just like feminine, just like accentuated, exaggerated woman. Um I didn't have a lot of money, so you know, the wigs were bad, the clothes weren't great. I also wasn't as confident, so I wore like a lot more and um, not really like as exciting and probably not really very like looks uh, more, you know, it was just like going out clothes really. Um, 
and there was always like a joke that bipolar was a lot younger than I was. Um, and maybe like we made a, a couple of like jailbait jokes and then that evolved into the whole being the person that your younger self needs to be. I think what I'd done was, because it's a little known fact about me that I got pregnant quite young and I had a daughter quite young. Um, so I kind of, when I started doing drag, I was like, right, both, let's just go back to that point of when you know I was like 17 and just pick up from there and use this as like a way to, you know, live vicariously through yourself, <laughs> through the last bit of your teenage years. Um, and it sort of didn't last long because once I got going with it, I just wanted to start just being like weirder and sillier and funnier and, you know, pushing it and pushing it. Um, like also at the start, I used to hide that I were a woman if I could. Um, so like you'd never, you know, like now, like everybody's seen my chest, they could all draw it from memory. Um, but, you know, back then it was think that yeah, I didn't want people to know at all. Um, and then I just had this thing one day where I was like, no, actually, like, if I'm going to do this thing that's a statement, then I need to actually make it a statement. I'm doing this to be who I really am, so why, why am I hiding myself? And that kind of like really kicked me up the arse then, and I really got going with it. Um, but yeah, it's evolved, it's gone left, it's gone right, it's gone forwards, it's come back, you know, it's an ever, ever evolving thing for me style from like one week to the next. Um, there's always something that like I'm interested in or I wanna wear or I wanna do. Um, but again, it's all, it's all completely different all the time. What do you think has been your favorite sort of performance look or performance style? Ooh, like on me? On you, yeah. Oh, um, well, favorite from like a personal angle has gotta be the um, last fluidity before the March lockdown last year. Um, I did a piece and I dedicated it to my mum and I dressed up like my mum. And uh, I made a mix. Wow. I'd interviewed her in like under false pretenses and I'd cut it into sorry, not sorry. And uh, performed it because just before that, a month before that, uh, my dad left and they'd been together sort of 30 odd years. And my dad left, he left her for a, like the cliche, left her for a younger woman, which is great. Um, I live with my mum, she's my best friend, like we do everything together. And I just thought, what better way to take this shit that's happened, this horrible stuff, than to pull it in, you know, ring it round, knot it up, untie it and push it out in a performance. Um, so that's what I did. And I got to like throw confetti over her. <laughs> it were it was really cute. So that's like from a, a personal, like, you know, sentimental point, it's got to be that one. Um, but I think from like a, like an art perspective, it's got to be the video I've made in lockdown, Bender. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, but yeah, I think I took a bit of a swerve in my mind when I made that. And I kicked my editing up and really just, because I, I tend to speak to Anna Pop a lot, you know, if I'm having like crazy creative ideas, because sometimes I'll think of something and then I'll say, no, that's that's <clears throat> too far. Uh, it's either too obscure or too weird or, or whatever, people won't get it. So I'll ring out Anna Pop and say, right, I've had these ideas. I need you to tell me if I'm being insane. <laughs> um, and she's... <laughs> 
sort of like since she's joined fluidity everything kind of went wash for me because i suddenly had this person that'd be like no 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 do that you absolutely need to dress up like a marmalade sandwich do it um so yeah i went through bender with her and i were like i've had this idea and it's based on hunter s thompson and i want to do this this and this and she just went yeah mate right book it and we'll get it filmed um so yeah it was a it's a great video and i'm really proud of it and it also um pushed me forwards again um so yeah gotta be that one definitely although i'm wearing like a it's a big one of my card- favorites is it the big cardboard pill is so big it's the biggest like face piece that i've worn that i totally lost like all my center of gravity and depth perception and every time i moved i was like boinging my head off at wall and oh god it was like i couldn't hear anything so people were speaking to me and it was just the mouths moving <laughs> <laughs> I think this is why I have Immy working with me because I need someone to regulate like my craziness. <laughs> like when I did art projects, I would never ask someone like, "Oh, do you think this is too crazy?" Like I literally just did it, but that's probably why like it had age restrictions on some of the exhibitions. <laughs> yes. Yes, the love and age restriction. <laughs> <laughs> So, our last question, which I definitely didn't get asked to ask. Do you have anything in store for the future? I do. It's quite vague, though, to be honest. I've got, like, nothing set in stone. I'm just, like, things that I'd like to do. I'd like to collaborate more. I'd like to do different things that maybe aren't just solely drag-based and nightclub-based. I want to collaborate with you more, Amy. You know, I want... Yeah, there's... There's all sorts of things that I'm just sort of interested in, like having a go at and they might work out and they might not. But I'm like quite hopeful for it. And I feel quite confident that like I'll get somewhere. Um, But I don't really know what it looks like at the moment. I'm kind of feeling a little bit like I'm in purgatory. Like maybe I need to get out, engage it, see what the world's like and then start putting some stuff in motion. I might actually have something for you and somebody else in the pipeline. Ooh. How do you feel about pleading with the Grim Reaper to not be killed? Yeah, totally. I'm up for that, yeah. <laughs> I love how there's like no hesitation, no question. It's like, yeah, sure, throw in the Grim Reaper. Why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll Bring practice my best pleading yeah. faces. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I think of the Grim Reaper, I always think of... Um, Bill and Ted's bogus journey. <laughs> I think of Terry Pratchett's death. The author? You know, from Discworld. Yeah. Do oh, you know how he wrote about the Grim Reaper from Discworld and the Hogfather when the Grim Reaper became Santa Claus? No, I haven't seen that, but that sounds amazing. <laughs> It's phenomenal. It's so funny. I feel like it's played by Christopher Lee in it, and it's just beautiful. I feel like the Grim Reaper is less creepy than the concept of Santa. I feel like Santa is a really creepy concept when you're older and you like unpick it. You're like, why the fuck is a fat guy climbing down my chimney and then like eating my food and like giving my children presents? I'm sorry to corrupt Santa, but it's a weird concept. You only, the, the Grim Reaper only comes into your house once. Like Santa's yeah. coming in every year. Yeah, exactly. And like the Grim Reaper's just doing his job, you know? 
like yeah like nine to five Monday to Friday (laughs) I feel like he's doing his job I feel like he's just doing it because like he enjoys doing it I'm like Santa like you've got some problems and also he's not even really doing any of the work he's just getting all the credit for it so like all these elves are making all these gifts and then he's delivering them it's like could you imagine if somebody sent you a gift and you were like getting all excited about the DHL man on your doorstep instead of the person that sent you the thing yeah and it's exactly the same (laughs) like i wouldn't be surprised if santa actually secretly had some uh what's the word ah i've completely lost the word i was gonna say it's like if he owned primark and like all the terrible shit that goes into making their clothes i'm like is santa involved in some dodgy shit because i wouldn't be surprised yeah some bad moral ethics yeah I'm going to spoil some dreams for kids. That's the, beauty of a fi- that's the beauty of a fictional character. You can project any meaning onto them. Well, that's why I find it really devastating when like, you fall in love with a fictional character. You know, like if it's on TV or in a book and you just absolutely love a character and you're like, but they don't exist. Like, even if, it, if it's a TV show, the person who plays them is nothing like the actual character. And you're like, why? Yeah. Oh, I know exactly what you mean. I've had a few like that. I totally relate. Mine was um, <laughs> Damon Salvatore from the Vampire Diaries. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm literally so basic and it devastated me like because I started like following and stalking Ian Summerholder like online watching all his interviews and he's like quite boring in real life and he was nothing like the character and I was like, oh my God, this is this is so sad. Oh, <laughs> bless you. <laughs> um, in the next segment, our artist offers up somebody who's inspired their work as an artist and as a person in general. By Polar Abdul, who are you putting into the Women's Workshop Hall of Fame? So uh, I've chosen Peaches because she's just non-conforming in every single way. And um, I find her to be like so cool and so brave um, and strong and like fighting against um, an entire like society, like being in music and media and all things like that and being able to be uh, the kind of person that she is. Um, I stumbled upon her live at Leeds Fest, first time I ever saw her, right? So this like get your ears around this for a first impression um i think i were 14 or 15 years old and they rolled her out on stage completely starkers strapped to like a, a silver hoop um and she were completely naked bush armpit air and she did a set from this hoop and that was the first time i ever saw her and i will never forget that ever uh, it caught my attention immediately it never left um i got so into her music after that and like everything she was offering up every single one of her albums is different um you know she's got that thing about her that i absolutely love that's the same with my art which is like it's i want to try doing it this way this time and i want to try doing it this way this time and it's different um and just yeah just that wholeheartedly like genuine not giving a fuck um that's something that i think you're either born with or you're not um and she's definitely definitely born with it it's so like effortless genuine fab you think you were born with it too yeah (laughs) um i hope so i like to think so sometimes i do catch myself giving a fuck i'm not gonna lie sometimes i do um and i think that's kind of normal uh to be honest to do that but um 
But yeah, I think maybe deep down, like every year that passes and I get more confident and better at what I do. And uh, yeah, I think I give less of a shit what people think. <laughs> yeah. Peaches has written some fucking bangers too. Fuck the Pain Away is an f- absolute tune. Yeah, I Feel Cream is one of my favourites. Woof. And The Boys Wanna Be Her, that's one of my numbers that absolute banger. <laughs> Do you think she's inspired your work as a performance artist? Absolutely. Uh, like, I remember doing Donny Fried a couple of years ago and putting a tash on my face and thinking about peaches the entire time while I was putting this tash on and wondering if she'd think I were cool. Um She's definitely inspired me to see beauty in things like wearing facial hair, um, you know, or uh, like I, I don't shave my armpits. I haven't done for like a long time, but I, especially while I was still working in youth work, there were times where I'd like catch myself, make sure I was wearing things where you couldn't see it and things like that. And then I thought, but well, why am I doing that? Um, so the fact that she's so about who she is has definitely helped me to do the same um yeah oh yeah i love her i think it's great to have people who show you all of the things that society has told you that are like normal and things you should do and then they're like nah fuck it all of that's absolute bullshit and you're like oh thank god someone else said it yeah and like a lot of the time it's got this real like like satirical slant on it like a proper like fuck you to the beauty industry <laughs> like um yeah and that's i i love that about her so much yeah god so far uh, what's your favorite piece of her work what's your favorite song um boys want to be her i think yeah I what think. is that um it's just it's such like a marching anthem, like it's um, so powerful. Um, it really does say a lot of things that I want to say. It wraps it up perfectly. Like I like to think that um, like me and a lot of people that are in the drag scene at the moment are flipping and bending gender so much that men and women are looking at us and are saying like, yeah, damn it, I want to be a so is there anyone else who has inspired your work at all? I think that like that list would be endless, to be honest, um, because it's for me, it's not just it's not just drag artists or music artists or whatever. It's um, it can be anyone. And I think it also depends on like what look I'm doing and things like that as to like who or what has inspired it. Um, just for instance, a couple of years ago, we did a shoot where we were like chavs in a park um, and I based a lot of my look and like attitude on a girl that I'd taught a few years previous. Um, but like a lot of, I, I can sort of give it to you like a lot of 90s stuff, um, a lot of like British comedy, a lot of satire, um, a lot of like powerful females. Um mm like Maxine Peake, Victoria Wood, Samantha Norton, like your Northern actresses, um, Vicky McClough, people like that. Um, it's It would be a massively, massively endless list, I think, to be honest. That's good though. It's good to have influences from here, there and everywhere. It makes you more like, it gives you so many more ideas. I think if you just stick to like one genre, then it can like 
you can fall into repeating the same things i think it's good to just be inspired by everyone and everything yeah like at the minute it's um you know like 80s uh music video cliches it's like going yeah. like this yeah <laughs> <laughs> things like that that kind of aesthetic um yeah so it just it, it honestly it just it depends um but like I, I guess i would have some like long-standing influences and that that would be like uh victoria wood or that you sit on the living room carpet as a child and, and watch her and thought she was so funny because it's not very often that you get a female comedian that's managed to get so far um without making period jokes yeah i think i i love um female comedians because i feel like it is sort of a there is a stigma that like women aren't funny or women can't be funny and it's like no actually men just tell a lot of jokes but that doesn't mean they're good or funny they just tell a lot of jokes and therefore they think they're a comedian yeah yeah i agree i think people are scared of female comedians as well uh, which i think is why they get forced into a box of making jokes like um Tampax jokes uh, or um, losing weight, all the jokes about mm. losing weight, being fat, yeah. um, feeling chubby or whatever, whatever. Um, but like I could I could probably walk out and, and tell some pretty good like political jokes that didn't reference my reproductive system at all. Yeah. Um, but I think society is scared of that. Yeah. And I do feel like, unfortunately, we're nowhere near that not being a thing. No. Um, I mean, look at like, uh, as much as I dislike the woman, uh, Theresa May, um, constantly getting asked by the press, like, who are you wearing? Who are you wearing? Um, you know, getting snapped by Paps and they're talking about her outfit. And it's like, well, we're not doing that about the politicians that are in the 70s that look like they've been to bed in the suit and their hair's a mess, they've got dandruff on the, the shoulders. Um, it's solely because she's a woman that she's being asked about. And I thought, oh, she was spotted today in a beautiful pink ensemble. But, you know, we're not saying that about the three-piece grey suit that the male counterparts were in. Yeah. I know. The world The world is a fucked up place and society is fucked up and we have a very, very long way to go. Like, it really annoys me how slow evolution is in terms of, like, human thought and human acceptance. Like, it's taken so long for us to get where we are now and we're still so far away from where we should be yeah yeah it's it's crazy it's crazy and there are people still saying like uh yeah but you can vote so what's the problem oh honestly i, I mean i don't want to get into a massive feminist round but it really angers me how people are like yeah but you've got this and you've got this like we should have had that and that's not something you've given to us that is a right something we should already have had like you're not giving us anything it isn't a privilege for us to have this it's a right there's a difference between a privilege and a right and i feel like especially when it comes to feminist issues people are like well you've got enough you know you've not got enough problems there there, there isn't any sexism there are, you don't have any problems i'm like oh it just yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to go into it all because I'm just. I'm going to get very angry about it. But <laughs> it's always men that say this as well. Hmm? What was that, Amy? Men that say stuff like that. Yes, it is. And ah, uh, that this is what annoys me. Not just about men, but anyone who 
says like there isn't any homophobia there isn't any racism there isn't any sexism and it's like it's always like white white men who say it I'm like but you haven't experienced any of those things so how can you like I'm sorry but how can you have an opinion on it if you haven't experienced any of it oh yeah yeah they haven't experienced it they can't see it you know they're they're all right the mates are all right um therefore it doesn't it don't exist it doesn't oh. exist. They're not, they're not scared to walk home at night. It's fine. So moving on to our big question of the evening, uh, we asked you to choose uh, a topic you were interested in. What is the topic you've chosen to discuss? I can't remember. Well, okay. I think I've got it written down. How does being a woman in the drag world um, affect you as a performer? Um, it was harder at the start than it is now. I care less about what people think. And if people want to walk out of my performance because I'm a woman, then I don't want them in my performance anyway. Um, so that's kind of how I feel. Um, it makes me feel absolutely the most punk, to be honest. Um, because I'm doing a thing that, um, has been billed as a, a man's thing for like a long time. And I'm kind of taking that and doing what I want with it. Um, it can be annoying sometimes, you know, with internet trolls saying stuff. Um, again, it's the it's the audience of drag more than the drag performer. I've met some amazing AFAB drag performers, um, which uh, is again a culture that I didn't even realise existed. You know, like ten years ago, I didn't even realise that 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 existed. Um, so it's like this this crazy underground culture that's got all these subcultures from it and I get to meet all these amazing performers um, and get to see the work that they're doing and it's it feels really powerful to be part of that pocket of, of women uh, in the world. Um, uh, yeah, it's had like its downsides at, at times. There were points like at the beginning where I didn't think I'd make it out of the bar I was working in mm. um, because they sort of took a chance on me um, and like Donnie had never seen it before um, and yeah I thought if you know this is me I'll start doing drag here and this is this is where I'll do it and that'll be it um, but like it wasn't because I got stronger as I went on because I met other women that were doing the same thing it's like an alliance, like, you know, everybody gets this uh, this alliance going on with it. And we all we're all doing this um, like super hella punk rock thing. Yeah, I didn't actually think I'd get bookings outside of the pub that I were working at because I were a woman at the start. Um, but did but now you? I, yeah. And now I feel like fairly unstoppable, to be honest. Okay. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's also um totally changed how I feel about myself in the role of woman uh, outside of drag as well um, so uh, you know I've managed to um, totally just work out who I am through doing drag um, and like I class myself as a non-binary woman like and basically for me that's that I just don't sit in the two binaries I sit between around closer to one closer to the other you know whatever I'm feeling at that time yeah and I don't think I'd ever have figured that out if it weren't for drag um 
because there were points where uh, before I started drag, I used to wear a lot of makeup all the time. I don't now, uh, but I used to I, I used to get up at six and put all my makeup on. I used to have acrylic nails. I used to wear like big push-up bras. I used to do all this stuff, and I used to see women in the street, and I used to think to myself, when am I going to feel like how she feels? You know, when you can see it on like just normal women walking yeah. down the street, they're totally happy with their femininities. Mm. Works perfectly for them. And I was doing all this stuff and it felt like I was just sticking things on to try mm. and like figure stuff out. And then like I started doing drag and I just went down this path and I started learning about myself and I started learning about like who I was and you know what my gender meant to me. Um, and it's just been absolutely incredible. Um, I think like it legitimately has saved me. Now, I don't want that to sound like dramatic or diva-ish or anything. I don't mean like if I hadn't found drag, I'd have run and jumped off a cliff. But it saved me from another, like, seven years of, like, who am I? What's this? I don't feel right. Why do I feel like this? Because mm -hmm. I started to feel like it was literally, my, like, my personality. I'm, I'm a weirdo because I don't, I can tell I don't feel like these people feel. But no, it was literally, I just needed to hear the word gender fluid, read the definition and go, hmm. right. So getting, you know, me being a woman, uh, pushing through the uh, the limitations where people say women can't do drag and being a woman in drag has led me all the way to that. Yeah. Um, which I think is like wicked. <laughs> <laughs> Have you met any uh, many other women do in the drag community? Uh, well, there's Anna Pop in my drag family. She's an AFAB performer. And then there is uh, Boo Sutcliffe in Birmingham. I've met her. She's really nice. Um, basically, it's a lot of online stuff, you know, yeah. like, you know, following and then following you and things like that. Um, and there's Creme Fatale, I think. I don't know where she lives, though. I don't think it's UK, but... Yeah, she's Canadian. She's Canadian <laughs> but um, yeah, I think one of the one of the funniest things that anybody ever said to me were, uh, "Why do all AFAB drag queens look like clowns?" Um, and like, I've legitimately got an answer for it, and it's because we're women doing drag. We put more makeup on so that you think we're doing our job properly because we have to do everything times 10 because we're women anyway. So people expect, if you just put like, if I put this amount of makeup on, some people might say it don't look draggy enough. Like I'd wear that on a night out or whatever because I'm a woman. Um, so we're kind of expected to amp it up, amp it up, do more, be more, show more, be better, dance better. You know, lip sync better, do all that sort of thing better, because you're not a cis gay man. But that's fine. We will. We will do better. <laughs> and we do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. Well, I think if it's okay with everyone else, we'll move on to our outro because we've talked about so many different topics. Um. Do you have anything else to say, Amy? Now that you're back with us. <laughs> Just yes. Just yes, okay. Um, well, I, I just want to. Everything was said, I didn't necessarily hear it. 
Okay. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Bipolar. It was so lovely to speak with you. And we talked about so many interesting topics. Um, so thank you for coming on. Uh, so where can our audience find you on socials? Uh, Instagram, I am at bipolar.abdul.drag. And you can also follow my drag house at Fluida Doncaster. Uh, Twitter is at Bipolar Abdul. Um, I think that's it, really. I'm not on TikTok, guys. <laughs> well, please go and support Bipolar. And uh, also, please come and support us if you don't already. Uh, you can find us um, at the women's underscore workshop on Instagram. And we are on Twitter, but I'm not. Do we do we do a lot of stuff on Twitter? Immy? Immy runs the Twitter account. Uh, no, to be honest, uh, I'm a little bit guilty of trying to push myself on Twitter, and I've forgotten about the other profile. I'm very oh, sorry. it's fine. I I've I been f- I've been on 399 followers for ages. I've been trying to get to 400. It's been pissing me off. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you can find us on Instagram, and you can also find Immy on Instagram at Immy Midi. Uh, you can also find me personally at ellajasmine.samuel, I think. Uh, but anyway, if you do want to come on a podcast or you want to get in touch with us, uh, please do send us a DM. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you very much. Bye. Goodbye. Um, again, no, like I can My sort of... videos frozen on it. <laughs> oh no. Immy? Oh, fuck's sake. She'll come back in a minute. <laughs> should I carry on or should we wait? Oh, uh, it's fine. Just wait a minute. We'll have to cut this bit out. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. You should get oh. some little bits of lift music for these bits and just... Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's just... It's a proper anthem for me oh I'm back (laughs) I'm so embarrassed oh my god this is actually going to be the best thing to listen back to I think this is my favourite one so far that's got to stay in the 